Welcome in, everybody, to the Landry Football Podcast, brought to you by the great folks at Prize Picks. Uh, you've got to check them out. Uh, it is a great service. More about them here in a little bit. I want to tell you um, about the topic today. We're going to delve in and delve into Nebraska football. The where they are now, how they've gotten to this point, kind of the history. I think a lot of people are having, because it's the first opening of the year, they're having their take about this and that, and most know very little about the program, the history, the potential, what the pitfalls are, why they've struggled, why they made the move, why they are in their situation. We're going to get into it, kind of the, the rise and fall of Nebraska football, if you will, and that's what we're going to get into. A reminder, though, that if you want the best information, on the college football game, the NFL game. The film room analysis from a coaching and scouting viewpoint, head on over to LandryFootball.com. That's where you get it, folks. That's uh, You can try it out for a month. You can try it out for six months. Um, the best deal we got is a football season sale a year long. That'll get you the football season. That'll get you recruiting season. That'll get you the draft season. That'll get you free agency. That'll get you all the way through next year at this time. It's the best offer that we have, the best price that we have. So please check it out. Also check out all of our podcasts here on the Landry Football Podcast Network. We've got all the conference college football shows. We've got NFL shows, Scouts Eye on College Football, Scouts Eye on Pro Football. The Landry Football uh, Podcast, which uh, you're listening to right now. All sorts of goodies there for you on the Landry Football Podcast Network. How do you get it? Very simple. Sign up the Landry Football Podcast Network. Do that. The Landry Football Podcast Network. Now, if you're a fan of a particular college conference, you can sign up for Big Ten Football and Beyond or SEC Football and Beyond, whatever you're – or Big 12 or ACC or Pac-12. Um, so – now that we got that business out of the way, let's get right into it. The expected of Scott Frost getting fired has taken place. Now, there is some thoughts. Well, why didn't they get rid of him last year? And we're going to work our way back. But <clears throat> this was one of their own. Everyone associated with that program wanted him to be successful. There was a feeling and a sense of obligation, at least with Trev Alberts, to come in as a Nebraska guy himself, as the athletic director, to try to embrace as best he could Scott Frost and try to make change. And he imposed some changes and demands, and that rarely works, but we're going to commit to you. He asked for a commitment in return from Scott Frost to take a reduction in pay this past season, and Scott Frost did it. People say, well, what else could he do? He could have said no. He could have said hell no. You don't like the way I'm doing it? Fire me and pay me all my money. He didn't do that. He said, I want to make this work. I want to be the coach here. I'll take a reduction. And he reluctantly made some changes on the staff that probably didn't want to do some. Maybe that he did. But they tried to support him. They tried to help him. And he was willing to do that. So everyone tries to take a sinister approach of why this is bad and that's bad and this that's the way it played out. Oh, it's easy to say should have been fired last year. Well, there's some merit to that. Did you 
have your guy in place then. Here's the other thing you have to do as an administrator. And no, he will never say this, Trev Alberts, but you make that move, you keep him, but you're not blind. You know that there's a likelihood that you're going to have to make a move, you know, at the end of this year, if not before, and it is before, to make the move and realize that I better be prepared. Who would I like? Who would be a good fit? Do your research. Do your homework. It's a lot easier to do that over a longer period of time and be prepared as opposed to having to make a decision and getting something done very quickly. So they moved on with Scott Frost this year, and it, it, we know it hasn't worked out. And we've gone in, for those of you that want to know what the problem is on the field this year. You kind of know that if you followed us at LandryFootball.com. But it's just a little bit more big picture, and we'll get into some minutia. But it was a disaster. They have never lost a game in Lincoln, Nebraska, when that team at home has scored 35 points or more ever in the history of the program. That's like ever. That's like, you know, ever. Ever, ever, ever. But that's exactly what happened Saturday night. It's a different world. It's a different game. Points are at a premium. You know, back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, points, scoring a bunch of points was not something that was prevalent. So that's a little bit misleading. But because when you score 35 points, you're going to win most games. And we're in an era where you need to score a lot of points in many cases. The defense, though, is a unmitigated disaster. Let's, you know, so the firing of Scott Frost, much has been made of, well, why didn't they wait three weeks and they could have paid him half the buyout that he was due? A couple of things. I just said, he decided when he didn't have to, to take a pay cut. He didn't have to take a pay cut. They could have just said, they fire me and pay me the money. And he would have not needed the aggravation. And he could have gone out with the idea of some people saying, you know what, maybe we should have given him another year. And I, yeah, 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 fired one of your own. It, it would have been some of that. They didn't want to come across at Nebraska cheap. you got to remember there's optics matter. Of course that money could have been used at other areas in Nebraska's athletic department. There's no, I mean, look, that's very valid. But you're also sending a message that, okay, made him take a pay cut, did a bad job, and we're going to cut him, you know, we're going to wait. Even though we we need to fire him now, we're going to wait to three weeks and fire him then and save money. It's a bad optics. It looks like, okay, you're really trying to screw the guy because if you're going to fire him now, September, you know, mid-September, why not do it mid-October? I mean, why why wait to mid-October? Well, we're going to save money. It, it makes you look cheap. It, it doesn't make you look in the best light in the coaching profession for guys that you're going to try to go after. It says, look, we expect certain things. We demand certain things, a certain standard, and we are going to hold you accountable for it. 
we're also going to be fair. And we sure as heck going to be fair to someone that's one of our own. Now, the other thing I think, you know, and that's the that's the main thing is, look, we're, we still love Scott. We love what he's meant to Nebraska as a player, and it didn't work out as a coach. More on that and why in a bit. But there's a way you can do things. And with the money that they're making in the Big Ten, the money Nebraska is, they can afford to do it. Yes, they could have used that money elsewhere. No doubt about it. And the folks on the outside say, that the hell with him, he sucks. He, uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's the way fans think. But when you're making decisions, and I'm involved in a lot of these coaching search stuff, it just gives a look. I deal with that. I deal with coaches saying, man, that really, that really looked cheap. You can't really say that about They reduced the money, held them accountable in the season, but then they said, look, we're going to make this move. We know we're going to make that move. What must be done eventually must be done immediately. We're not going to let it go three weeks and come off cheap. And as we go into a search, pay the guy the money. He's one of our own. We love you. We appreciate your effort. And we're all sorry it didn't work. But here we go. The other thing it does, and this is not the main reason, it's not really the main reason it's done, but it will be talked about as a main reason, and I do think there is part of this, is it's pretty clear that things were regressing and getting worse and not getting better. And there was a lack of belief, maybe a lot of tension, I think, amongst the staff. I think Scott didn't handle things as well. I think he was fighting, panicking to some degree. I think by putting Mickey Joseph in a position, he is a player's coach. They love him. It gives this team, particularly the outgoing players on this team, a better chance of at least playing free going forward, free of tension, free of wondering when the shoe's going to drop. It's dropped. I think players know that, Mickey Joseph's not going to win the job, but Mickey Joseph wants the job long-term, and the players love Mickey Joseph, the ultimate players coach, just ultimate love on him. So I expect them to play free, loose, aggressive, and play hard for Mickey Joseph. I don't know what that's going to do in terms of a record, and he's not going to get the job full-time, but it at least gives your team this year a better chance uh, to go ahead and try to help those guys finish out their year as best they can. So I applaud what Nebraska did, how they did it. They did everything. Why did not? Why didn't Scott Frost work? On the surface, it seems ideal. You got a guy that's at Central Florida that's doing a great job. He's got a good pedigree. Was did a nice job as coordinator working under Chip Kelly, and was a part of a lot of success at at uh, at Oregon. And he gets to go home; it's his school. When you kind of looked at the outsiders that maybe didn't work, the Mike Rileys, the Bill Callahan types, um, Bo Pelini. Uh, you know, different degrees of, and, and I thought Bo did a pretty good job, and more on that in a second. But 
couple of those guys just just wasn't the Nebraska DNA, and so it's ideal fit. Well, it's an ideal fit on the surface. Scott Frost going back home. He's a Nebraska guy. He's winning at Central Florida. Certainly, he's going to do that at Alabama, at Nebraska. Not necessarily, and then clearly not the case at all. A couple of things. You have to have a style that works, and I think there are different styles that can work. But Scott Frost is not from the Nebraska. What was Nebraska's biggest problem? Well, there are a couple of things. They tried to run um, an offense that Scott is familiar with. Chip Kelly's offense that he ran, that's what Scott knows. Oh, sure, he played quarterback at Nebraska, and they did things differently. But that's what he teaches. That's what he believes in as a coach. He comes in, and they had some success in recruiting. Wasn't awful. Um, had better talent than than Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota. Just, you know, bottom of the Big Ten West production level. I think the fact that this team in the Big Ten West had no physicality to match up against anybody. So they were going to win a different way with speed and they didn't they didn't execute the speed game well, the athletic game well, the spread game well, the throw game well. They didn't have good quarterback plays that relates to the passing game. They made way too many mistakes. And when they tried to line up and be physical, they couldn't match up against the physical teams in the Big Ten West. Other than Purdue, everybody else plays bully ball, physical ball. Nebraska used to do that. That was kind of their identity as a program. They don't do that now. They didn't under Scott Frost. It is okay. You can do it that way if you are successful executing it. They weren't successful. Awful special teams, tons of mistakes. Uh, Lots of mistakes on offense. Defensively, they were awful. One of the problems that you have to have, and look at the teams in the west of the Big Ten. They play pretty good defense. Wisconsin plays good defense. Iowa always seemingly plays good defense. Not offense, but good defense. Uh, Minnesota, when they've had that nice little run here of consistency, good defense. When Illinois has been good, pretty good on defense. Northwestern, pretty good on defense to their talent level. Purdue, not so much. That's why they're a little up and down. Well, Nebraska was more like Purdue than anything. They might have some success on offense at times when they're not turning it over, not making a ton of mistakes. But defensively, awful. And defensively, because of how their offense is playing, their defense could not really develop because they were going up against finesse-style offenses. That's a factor. It's a huge factor. So they weren't good on defense, both physically against the run and did a bad job maintaining gap integrity, setting the edges in the run game, staying uh, really sound in your coverage lanes, very poor job. Weren't really good defensively. Oh, you don't point about numbers here or there in spots. They weren't good. Numbers statistically in college are misleading. They were never really good enough on defense, and offensively they were too mistake-prone. And special teams, some of the worst 
in college football. Yet with all of that, you know the record, what, 5-21, and 5-22 and in one-possession games? Folks, you play smarter football, less mistakes, and all of a sudden it's a different story. And we're writing a different, you know, uh, 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 identity for the Nebraska program under Scott Frost. All things that were bad. So it's not been really good coaching. If you look at why Wisconsin and Iowa have been the most consistent programs in the Big Ten West. Now, Northwestern is consistent, too. They're just not quite as good, and at times they get enough players returning to where they can compete and win the West. Why can that happen? What's the common ground? Yeah, they're all physical and defense, but what is it that they do? They're stable programs. Kurt Ferentz has been there forever. Wisconsin has been really consistent. Made Maybe one move that was questioned about coaching in modern times, everything else is stable. Iowa, stable. Northwestern, stable. The consistency there. Nebraska has been the definition of unstable. Let's go back from Frank Solich getting the job. Frank Solich, Frank had obviously uh, played for Coach Devaney and, and coached under and, and Coach Osborne, and certainly understood the program. He coached from '98 to, to 2003, 58 and 19, 33 and uh, 15 in the conference. Um, Big 12 champion in 1999. The North champion in not, from 99 to 2001. Pretty good run. Pretty good coach. But remember, they had a little bit of a different administration. Steve Peterson, who's a Oklahoma, oh, excuse me, a Nebraska native, Omaha native, but really not a dyed-in-the-world Husker, wanted to put his imprint on the program. And wanted to do things kind of his way, and so he changed Frank Solich. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna reinvent the wheel at Nebraska, and I'm gonna bring in Bill Callahan. So he comes in from '04 to '07. Uh, that is such a disaster that Tom Osborne has to come back in and is the athletic director and fire Bill Callahan. He's 27 and 22. Why? Well, you've got you've taken what Nebraska's foundation was and is, and instead of tweaking it, instead of modifying it, you tore it down. All the traditions, all the physicality. Bill Callahan, who, by the way, Big Ten guy, offensive line guy, and one of the best teachers of the running game you're going to find at the NFL level, at the college level. But as a head coach and as a program builder in college, not what you're looking for. Not what you're looking for. Not what Nebraska looked for and needed. They did win the North in 2006. But complete change. West Coast offense, tough to learn. Tough to learn for college guys. But we're going to do it this way because this is what I do. And it just it rubbed people the wrong way off the field as well. Tom Osborne lets him go. Brings in Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini background with the Youngstown boys and, you know, um, uh, coaching at LSU, coming off a defensive coordinator job at LSU where they won the national championship under Les Miles. Bo comes in, 
both 67 and 27. 38 and 17. Big 12 North champions in 8, 9, and 10. And in 12. I mean, um, you're, you're looking at the transition to the Big Ten. You'll win a division champion in the Big Ten. Um, you're playing pretty good ball. You've got some pretty good players. You're standing up a little bit on defense with the likes of Indomitian and others. Not a bad program. Now, is Bo maybe the guy you want to go long-term with? Probably not. Did wear out his welcome in some areas. But again, the foundation and some of the ideas, not, not really good. Well, Barney Cotton in as an interim uh, coach one game. You bring in Mike Riley. Why? Mike Riley's the opposite of Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini's a, you know, very hard-edged guy. Mike Riley's the nicest guy. Yeah, whistling down the street, everybody loves him, and everybody in Nebraska is going to love him. Except it's a major changeover yet again. He goes 19-19, and 12-14 in the league, and no, no success there. Then you bring in Scott Frost. So, look, there's easy, the lazy people who don't know football will throw out, oh, Nebraska is, their days are done. It's over. You can't do anything. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's in a lot better, there's a lot better potential there than than those people understand because they're not informed. Look, I, I think it's going to be a challenge for Nebraska to get back to where the elite years. Really difficult and unlikely because of circumstances that I'll talk about in a second. But it is very likely and very probable. It should be the expectation, and I say start here, Nebraska. Become the best program of the Big Ten West. That's what you need to do. You become the program in the West. All due respect to Wisconsin. All due respect to Iowa. Nebraska can be as good or better than those programs. Should be better than those programs. They're not because they don't have the stability. And you can't have stability if you make bad hires. I get that. You just, you just, you, you can't. That's why when we say stability, it doesn't mean stick with something that's bad. If the carton of milk in the refrigerator is spoiled, it ain't going to taste better tomorrow. you got to change it. But you've got to be patient at times and let the get the right ingredients, get the right formula, put the right plan, uh, uh, plan in place, and be patient with it. Scott was going to do his thing, and again, had he done it well his way, it would have been successful. He didn't do it well. You have to do it well. You don't win with schemes and philosophies. You win with execution of set forth scheme and philosophies. There are different ways you can do it. Look, if you're going to compete and be the best program in the Big Ten West, you're going to either have to match them physically and be better than them, or you're going to have to be more athletic, out-scheme them, and be very sound in doing it. And, and they weren't either. 
I think you have to go back to being more physical because that is what is in your recruiting reach. And then I think you can gradually, with creativity, get more offensive skill position guys. Wisconsin and Iowa, don't get receivers who can run. I believe you can do that a little bit more at Nebraska because I think you can go in some places where you can get some of those guys. Not in abundance, but you can get some. You can maybe get better quarterbacks. Look, Wisconsin has gone and gotten a highly recruited quarterback. They'll get a highly recruited. They do great with backs. You can do that at Nebraska and maybe even do it better than Wisconsin does it at Nebraska. That needs to be the mission. That needs to be the goal. And then I think you can become a little bit more explosive, and maybe be the program in the Big Ten West. Why did it take place this way? Why did it go this way? Why did it change? There are a lot of things. Yes, it not, it's not just Dr. Tom retiring. Yeah, that was it. <clears throat> That's when it began to, you know, uh, drop a little bit, and it a, was a gradual drop. So they thought, hey, look, let's, let's get rid of Frank Solich before – it drops too far. That in and of itself, if they made the right hire, you know, and take and took on the same philosophy but doing it better, they could have salvaged it. But no, we're going to do something completely different. Well, you know what that is? That is let's tear the house down to the studs and start over again. Well, when you do that, you're going to have a 27-22 and 22 record. And then you're building again, and you're going to go a different way. The instability, because of the bad hires, leads to the problem. So the history of Nebraska back in the Big 12 days, and I'm going to call it the, the really the 70s and 80s, Nebraska was one of the handful of teams that were on television every year. At least once or twice. Remember, college football wasn't on TV nowhere near like it is today. I mean, it was one, two games a week. And Nebraska was always on against Oklahoma. They had a national brand because of it, even though they were in Nebraska. And here's the thing about Nebraska. When facilities were little, you know, corner, you know, broom closet offices for coaches type facilities and the bowels of the stadium. Nebraska built a power because they put together an unbelievable football facility with unbelievable weight room and said, we're going to take all the kids in this area, in our region, that are big physical guys, and we're going to develop them in our system. Nebraska under Bob Devaney and under Tom Osborne ran the same offense year in and year out. They ran under Charlie McBride the same defense. <clears throat> and they got guys in there, and particularly on the line of scrimmage on the offensive line, they got most of those guys that they took those big corn-fed guys and brought them in, and they took off the baby fat, and they built them powerful, and they became great run blockers. Some of them played pro ball. Many of them didn't. They were just great college players that could physically were built in their system. There was also an unlimited walk-on rule in college football. So they could get 150 of those guys and figure out which 8 or 10 
could be really good players, and they did that, and they did that over and over again. And then they used their scholarships on skill position guys. They said, you want to run behind a great offensive line, which they had every year, come here running back, come here quarterback. They had a few good receivers, the Irving Friars of the world, but they ran the football. It was a more simplistic game, and everybody looked at Nebraska and admired Nebraska. They've always had maybe the most loyal and impactful fan bases there is in the country, respectful, classy, supportive. So this was Nebraska back then. You went to Nebraska on a visit from Texas, and they were in the Big 8 and then the Big 12. So you were playing against Texas schools, Southwest Conference schools in those days, a lot of them. So there is an identity in Texas. There was a, And that was a big recruiting, like Oklahoma recruited well in Texas and has recruited well in Texas because it's part of their geographical footprint. Nebraska recruited well in Texas because they had an identity there. So they get skill position guys. Oh, they go and dip into New Jersey. They get get a Rozier. They go into Florida and get guys the Tommy Frazier's. They got guys elsewhere, but they had an identity in Texas <coughs> as part of the Big Twelve. Now, as you go forward, you're recruiting in that era. And if you're a kid in Texas and you go to on school visits, you see Nebraska and you say, "Wow." Look at the training room. Look at the nutrition center. Look at our weight room. All of this, you're thinking this is where this is the mecca of college football. That's how kids felt. I know. I recruited against them at that time. We didn't have those facilities at LSU that Nebraska had. Nowhere close. Not even close. It was a statement. It was an identity for them to develop their young guys and also to convince guys from further away to come here because you had to go further away. There are not enough players in Nebraska. There's not enough players in the Dakotas. There are not enough players in Wyoming. Maybe you can go to Colorado and get a few guys. A Dan Casterline who's on the 84 team and whatnot. You've, you've had some guys that were in that realm. They could go into California and get a few because their identity was a football power because they had great facilities, and they had great facilities. They developed players. They had stability in the program. They had coaches on that staff. Frank Solich coached running backs for 20-something years. Charlie McBride was there for like 30-something years. So they taught the same thing over and over. So it was like buying a McDonald's franchise. You buy a McDonald's franchise, you don't have to figure out how to make a burger, how to make fries, what to charge, uh, what, how to set up. the. It's all cookie cutter. It was a cookie cutter. You come in and you come out perfect. Nebraska was an elite program. Now, what happened? What happened? Well, Tom Osborne, yes, he did. They also we started to see college football change. You started to see more games on TV. You started to see more TV money. You started to see more facility upgrades. So now 
Nebraska still has great facilities, folks. So does everyone else. If you're from Dallas, you don't need to leave TCU to have great facilities. You don't need to go to Nebraska. I mean, you go to Nebraska if you want to go to Nebraska, but you don't go to Nebraska because they got the best facilities. They've got great facilities. So does everyone else. So now they lost their recruiting advantage, and they never had a recruiting footprint to recruit from that was close. And so that became a problem, a difficult problem for them. Then as you go forward, you, you, you make this change because, well, what's going on? we got to make this change. We're not, you know, we're, we're not winning. Then again, that leads to change, maybe panic in the Frank Solich move. Again, make the move from Frank if that's the right move, but maybe bring in somebody that can do things maybe in a similar way where you don't have the drastic change, but you can do it better than what you've been doing it. But it didn't do that. Now, they, like Texas A&M, Nebraska and A&M more than anybody. Uh, they were not the only ones, though. But th- more than anybody were frustrated being in the Big 12 with Texas, meaning Texas was ruling the Big 12. Texas got more money. Texas dictated this. And so A&M obviously made the move to the SEC, and Nebraska said, you know what? We can go to the Big 10. By the way, probably no school has had more more football programs had more academic All-Americans in Nebraska. They've got a very good academic reputation there at, at uh, Nebraska-Lincoln. And so the Big Ten was a fit, but was also a geographical fit. With Wisconsin and Iowa, good fit, made sense, make more money. That's fine. That's great. Makes all the sense in the world. And it's paid off because look at the money that they're getting now. But here's what they lost. In addition to not having the facility, they, they've got the facilities, but but they don't stand out with their facilities because everybody has them. So now you're having a hard time going out in your footprint. Well, guess what? Same kids that were interested in you from the state of Texas going to Nebraska when you were in the Big 12 because the folks could see them play and everything. There's no identity with the Big Ten if you're in Texas. Oh, you can be a Quinn Ewers and sign from Texas and go to Ohio State. That's an elite program. You don't sign and go to Wisconsin or Iowa unless you're from Texas and you're one of the school, one of the players that the bigger programs pass over. The big-time guys don't go there. So Nebraska has lost their identity in that big fertile recruiting out of Texas, and they really don't have any – footprint because the program had slipped to go into the Floridas and New Jerseys and the Californias and heck I mean they came into New Orleans and got Neil Smith and you know I mean, you go on and on and on the great players uh, from Nebraska they've lost that identity because of not just because of the move if they had been a great program they could have sustained it but they it's a combination of they have no recruiting identity Everybody's caught up with them facility-wise, and the program slipped. So now it's just fallen, and they can't get up. And then they make the move with a drastic change with this coach. Callahan, soft. We're going to go with Bellini, uh, Bellini, tough and hard to get along with. Well, we're going to get an easy-to-go-along-with Mike Riley. And then, you know, now you find your guy in Scott Frost, but he doesn't get it done. 
that's kind of where it's gone and where it's taking place. Now, I'm going to tell you where they need to go next. But I got to tell you about our great friends at Prize Picks. I tell you, um, it's really very simple. You pick two to five players. In if they will score more or less than their Prize Pick projection, you can win a, win up to ten times your money on any entry. Look, there's no competing against other people. It's just you and the projections available. That's why I love it. Price Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, NASCAR, tennis, boxing, golf, you name it, cricket, whatever. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Look, all you got to do is download the PrizePick app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LANDRY. That's all caps, L-A-N-D-R-Y. So let me explain that again. If you deposit $100, price picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, price picks will give you $50. Simple as that. How do you do it? Just enter the promo code LANDRY, L-A-N-D-R-Y, all caps, and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. They are, it's fun, it's exciting, and I think it's taken this industry by storm. Take advantage again. Go to prizepick, uh, the com or prizepicks app and enter the promo code L-A-N-D-R-Y, all caps. So where does Nebraska go from here? Look, there's not a one simple fix. I think that you're positives. You're in the Big Ten making a whole lot of money. You've got resources. You can do whatever you need to do at a big-time program at Nebraska in terms of flying and getting where you need to go. The negative is you don't have players around you. You're going to have to go get them. And that's a challenge. But it's not one you can't overcome. What's your identity as a program? I think you need to be physical, as I said earlier. I think you need to be able to run it, but I think you need to be able to in this day and age, to be able to throw the football. So that means you have to have a system in which you can throw it effectively. I do think that a lot of the success, until you can get to the point where you're going to be able to make inroads and get a better program and get those elite players, what you need to do is, to me, build around your program. And, and one of the things that I mentioned again about Nebraska's history, and it was a big part of it, the unlimited walk-ons. You don't have that anymore. So Nebraska will never be able to do and, and have as many walk-ons and do what they did before because that is not allowed in t- today's college football. Because that's another thing that's hurt them. So you get, it's okay. You can do it. You can you can be a good offensive line, like they have at Iowa and Wisconsin, and that's what they need to do. 
They need to get good backs. They need to run the football. They need to get good, smart quarterback play. They need to get some physical receivers that will help in the run game but also can be really good at work and play action passing offense. I think that's where they need to go. You can build a program, be successful, create stability with a good coach that can do that. And then as you become better, then you can go get a special running back. Then you can go get maybe a quarterback that's a difference maker or develop one or bring one in the transfer portal. Look, you find the right guy and you begin to have success. You got the transfer portal you can work now. Now, everybody has that, but you need to work it and you need to work it to your advantage. I think if you do that and you have the right system – Look, you can if you are a well-coached team on special teams, if you can become physical, if you can run the football, okay, and you build a good defensive front, you can be competitive. You may not win immediately, you can be competitive. Look at what Chris Kleiman is doing at Kansas State. I mean, he's come from North Dakota State, and he's just put Kansas State, and look what Bill Snyder did. I mean, I, I know they're not in the Big Ten, but, but look at what Wisconsin does. Look at what Iowa does. I know their offense is ugly at Iowa this year, and a lot of times it's just a little bit better looking than ugly. But they win. Nebraska, you can do that, and you can build that. And then from there, you go to adding those pieces to where you take it up a notch. So you're Wisconsin and Iowa on steroids then. Then you become really good. And then you become, okay, we can play with Michigan. And maybe we won't be Ohio State. But you know what? We're going to make Ohio State play physical ball. We'll control their possessions, and maybe we beat them that way. I think that's how you have to build it at Nebraska. It's not going to happen overnight, but I need you need to get a good foundation. You need to get a, a, a program of toughness, of discipline, of high level of concentration, mistake-free football at Nebraska. That's what needs to get done there. Then I, I think you you know you build a good defense. Then you start to get a little bit more athletes because people want to come and be a part of it. And people, I think you can grow that. Um, that's what you do. Who can do that? I mentioned one: Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. I think Matt Campbell at Iowa State is an ideal fit. It's in the Big 12. But look what they do. They give people fits. They beat Iowa this past week. In the past, they've gone ahead and they've given the Oklahoma's fits. Why? They slow down the game. They're well coached. They're fundamentally sound. They're tough. They're physical. You're limited at Iowa State. There are more limitations at Iowa State than there is at Nebraska. Now, it is more competitive, I think, you know, and, and I think that, you're going to have to face power with power, you know, in the Big Ten West. Whereas you, if you're physical in the Big 12, you saw how quickly, you know, again, Iowa State's had success. Baylor had immediate success under Dave Aranda. Why? They're more physical. Not a lot of physical teams in the Big 12. A lot of finesse there. So you can rise up a little quicker there than you can do at Nebraska because you got to go through some other power boys. But you can get there. You got to get there gradually, and I think there's a little bit of a mismatch there. I think you can say we can go a little bit more athletic, and you can do little things along the times. I, I, th- I think there's ways you can do that. I, I think Matt Campbell would consider the job. You know, 
knowing Matt and doing a lot of coaching searches, I know Matt has had some interest by NFL people. Um, I, there's no question that I think Ohio State is a job that he covets. That's his school. and But he's been very uh, comfortable staying at Iowa State because it's a good program. He makes good money. And look, it's at Iowa State, you're not going to win every year because you can develop a team every three years. But then when you rebuild it at a place like Iowa State, it's not rebuilding, not, not like rebuilding at Oklahoma or somewhere else that, you know, you can easily get players in there. And yeah, you can get players in the transfer portal, but you can't – it's a developmental program. So developmental programs need time to develop. So the plug-in here and there, they have had some good players come through there. <clears throat> what I call them, like, you know, shiny objects that come in that can build around the fortress of their solid physical foundation. But it's tougher and tougher to do it. The Big 12 has changed. I think he has to look at Iowa State and his future. Okay, you can win in the Big 12, and maybe you want to stay there. But there's going to be some issues with the Big 12 in terms of Big separation financially. Not what he makes, but what can he do with his staff? What he can do in terms of resources? Can he do more in the Big Ten than he can in the Big 12? Yes, he can. Because there are more resources in the Big Ten. Big TV contract as opposed to what the Big 12 is going to have going forward without Texas and Oklahoma. So I think having a job in the Big 12, while good it is not as good as it was when Texas and Oklahoma's in it. Everybody looks and says, well, it's not as tough because Texas and Oklahoma. No, no, it's not as good. Okay, because it's not as tough. It's not as good and it's not as prominent. You don't make as much money and all that factors in. So I think he might be interested. Now, do I, uh, am I convinced he wants the Nebraska job? I think he's interested in it. But I can tell you, I think Matt, is showing interest in this job, and he is showing interest in this job. I can tell you that he is 1 or 1A on Nebraska's list. I think Matt is showing interest. I don't know yet, and I will keep you informed on LandryFootball.com and right here on the Landry Football Podcast Network. I don't know if there's legitimate interest in this job or if there's legitimate interest, legitimate interest by Matt to make the the college football world aware that he might be willing to leave now, because others have come in and he is not all that interested. Uh, I think that he has had aspirations of a bigger job, and in, in, in Nebraska is a great job, but I think that you know his name has been thrown out with more prominent jobs. Um, and, and it just it wasn't a fit for him, and it, it just never got far enough for whatever reason. Uh, I, I think this will put it out there. Remember when you hear, like, John Gruden's name for Tennessee? He had no interest in going to Tennessee. But by letting it known, his name out there, what it did, it, it showed the people in the football whether he'd be interested. Well, he was trying to use that to let people know he was interested and get back into coaching because he was broadcasting at the time. And that's what led to, okay, the conversations around the NFL, and it led to getting into the NFL. We all know what's happened since, beside the point. So I think this is what Matt Campbell may be doing. Now, is there going to be a better job? 
that he likes. Is he going to maybe be attracted by the Nebraska job after he sees their vision? Don't know. Sometimes you have an interest because you're impressed with the job. Somebody like Matt is he's younger, but he'll still remember the great Nebraska teams in the program, so that'll at least pique some interest. When you go behind the curtain and look at it, you may like it even more or you may like it less. Those are things in the coaching searches that people don't know. I always get kick out of people who say, well, that's not a good job. That's not this. He won't be interested. How the hell do you know? You don't even know those coaches. You don't know how to evaluate a program. You don't know what's behind the curtain. You don't know what the potential is. You've never coached. You've never hired a coach. So you don't know. But everybody's got an opinion, of course, um, as dumb as most of those opinions are. It is going to be interesting to see. I do think Matt would be good. I think Chris Kleiman would be good. I think Lance Lapple, who's at Kansas, and I hate to be picking all the Kansas schools, but I think you got two coaches that are going to be coveted and have the potential to move on. I think those things make some sense. I think there's a general understanding of the area, the concept, how to do it. I think those are guys that can embrace the challenges of what's going to be at Nebraska, and I think any one of those three would be really good hires and would really have an impact. A slow, gradual, build-a-foundational-type impact for that program, and I think it could begin to create the stability to where that's a job that you could stay with a long time. Much like, you know, Kurt Ferns has stayed forever at Iowa. And, you know, Paul Christ has settled in at Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez stayed forever at Wisconsin. I think those are the models right there in your own division that you got to look at. And I think those three guys would be the type of people that could do a good job. And I think with the Nebraska's potential and Big Ten money, there's potential to do even better than those programs. It'll take a while, and you're going to have to do it correctly, and you're going to have to be patient and understand that it's going to take baby steps, that you can't move into the house right away. you got to build a better foundation. But I think getting back to your identity, getting back to what your foundational standards are, is where Nebraska ought to go. Hey, that's a look uh, at Nebraska. Hey, we've got some other things to tackle as well, and we're going to be doing it here on the Landry Football Podcast. What is going on at Texas A&M? Jimbo Fisher, their future. Uh, something we'll, we'll address at some point as well. Hey, appreciate you joining us on the Landry Football Podcast Network. I'm going to ask a favor for you. Sign up for the Landry Football Podcast Network. Uh, sign up, rate, review, like. Uh, also sign up for the conference podcast, your favorite conference, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, whatever it is, You know, Big 12, Big 10 football and beyond, Big 12 football and beyond, sign up for those. And then LandryFootball.com, sign up there. If you would uh, take advantage of our football season sale at LandryFootball.com for the full year, uh, that'll get you the best value we have. Try it out for six months, try it out for a month, whatever it is you're liking. But keep it here also on Landry Football Podcast Network. We appreciate you joining us, and we look forward to talking to you again next time. So long, everybody. Enjoy the games.